Welcome to Season 2, Episode 31 of Beyond the Zero. I'm your host Ben. Joining me today is Sebastian Weiss. Sebastian is a writer and philosopher, and he's the founder of Outcast Press. Welcome to the show, Sebastian. Howdy. How's life in Lafayette, Indiana? Um, it's certainly a change from where I grew up, which is Minnesota. So I don't know. It is what it is. I'm not a huge fan of the state, but it's where I am right now. <laughs> you told me you've got a famous neighbor down the road as well. Well, I mean, not famous, but anybody, well, people who know about rock history. So for those who know, uh, Axel Rose actually grew up in my town. I can go and visit his house if I wanted to. He was kicked out of Lafayette, but that's the kind of people that the state breeds. <laughs> it's a weird state. It's a weird state for sure. Okay. What makes it so weird? I don't want to, I don't want to slag off a whole state, but suffice it to say, I just, I don't know. It's very conservative and I'm very much not. Um, It's very Christian and I'm very much not. It's very, like I see motherfuckers with like Confederate flags. I mean, Needless to say, uh, it's a place that I definitely don't (laughs) belong. But, you know, through a confluence of events, uh, I'm here at least for a while. Been here, gosh, what is it, coming up on 12 years, I think? Yeah, I'm planning on moving. I was planning on moving like 2020, but then the pandemic hit and there was all these restrictions and it made it possible to move. So soon, hopefully I'll be moving and I can't fucking wait because no offense to anybody who likes Indiana. I mean, no offense, like it all you want. Me personally, I hate the state. So <laughs> so in terms of American states, where would you want to go? Uh, Vermont. Okay. It's, um, yeah, that's the plan is Vermont because enough wilderness and enough ability to sort of get away from humanity and sort of get a bit of myself back, um, hopefully. And I don't want to say that I'm like a rustic, nature type person I'll probably develop that but I certainly feel a stronger a stronger kinship to shall we say sitting out and observing nature than you know listening to some 
dickhead with ill-informed opinions tell me why some conspiracy theory or something. And it's like, dude, why are you talking to me, right? Um, I'd rather just watch like an elk or a deer. Um, too much humanity is bad for me. Too much humanity is bad for the soul. And so that's part of it is, is, is it's that um, hopefully it provides a, a decent level of separation from humanity where, I don't know. I mean, certainly it's just how I'm built, I guess. Like right now I live in kind of a rough area and it just, it takes its toll on one's health. Some people are built for city life. Some people are built for not that. And I'm built for not that. So, yeah. Okay, well, hopefully you get out of that shithole quite soon. <laughs> and again, no offense to if somebody loves it here, more power to them. It's just, it's just not for me. People would say much the same probably about Vermont. They'd probably say, ah, oh, it's too fucking cold there. Yeah, well, it's north, so. <laughs> okay, I want to start with Outcast. Could you tell us a bit more about your journey starting the press? Yeah, so most of the decisions that I make are not impulsive. And I don't want to say that starting outcast was an impulse decision. But it kind of was in the sense of like, I never dreamed of starting a press that was never up until about three months maybe a year it had been floating around in my head. But up until then, I never even thought I would ever start a press, right? That was never a dream of mine. Um, I was perfectly content. I would have been perfectly content just pumping out poems, pumping out short stories, pumping out maybe novels down the line. But what I noticed um, is that at least the places I found wouldn't accept on principle my work, right? So every writer has just knows rejection is key. You're going to get rejected a lot. That's not the problem. The problem is, is I would come across edgy magazines, uh, places that claim to be edgy, that wanted like dark material. And you still sometimes see this. Uh, I still sometimes see this where it's like, you know, oh, we, you know, you know, you know, we want dark fiction, we want edgy fiction. But then they have like a caveat of like, no animal abuse, no rape, no torture. And it's like, then how the fuck are you edgy? Like, you know, I mean, I get if I submit a piece to shall we say, Asimov's, or I submit, you know, to other publications that are, that have like a very wide audience, right? I get that a lot of my stuff isn't going to be welcome there. And that's fine with me. I'm totally cool with that. But if a place is going to market themselves as edgy, I guess I'm just of the belief the gloves come off, right? Like, I want, and so I started it after there was a breaking point for me, I had, it was somebody sent me a link and they go, here, I found a magazine, they like edgy. And I'm like, great. And it was 
just the tipping point of a long list of because again a lot of this places you know stuff that i write about it's not like the magazine list is all that long although i've learned that it's getting bigger which is great but it was another place where i was like the sales pitch on the front of this website was awesome it was like i'm like wow great i found my place that i could submit to so then like any responsible person i go to the submission requirements right and study those and i noticed basic it was basically like a big x next to everything that i had prepared and i was like and something just snapped at me and I'm like, well, fuck, I'll just do it myself. And it was with the explicit intention of we're never going to tell writers. I mean, if somebody submits to us, yes, we're going to do editing, obviously, but we're never going to say, oh, you know, you swore too much here or, oh, it's like, no, if the piece is good, like we want you to go far, like we want you to find that line that you think shouldn't be crossed and like like speed over it crash the car and start the car on fire like we want you to really go out there um and so for us all the standard stuff is in place which is you know got, it's it's got to be good i know good is relative but it's got to be a good piece but beyond that like we want to be not the only, but we want to be known for taking taking the stuff that's good, but that doesn't um, sanitize reality, right? That's going to give you the down and dirty, unfiltered, uh, whatever. And really, no content restrictions in terms of, like, okay, we're not going to take science fiction and fantasy, but content restrictions in terms of like themes, like if you want to write about whatever, go for it, right? I mean, Joyce Carol Oates, for example, has, a, I think it's a novella called Rape, A Love Story. You know, so for everybody who wants to be get on their high horse, it's like, motherfucker, a literary illumin a, a, a literary icon, Joyce Carol Oates has, I think it's a novella called rape a love story you can go there people <laughs> you can you can go far beyond and so yeah it was born out of that um and so far the reception has been you know i mean i i still see us in our infancy right uh where we kind of launched our kickstarter finished our kickstarter of last year um, and put out our first releases uh, fall of 2021. So, yeah, just the reception we've gotten so far, um, even in our infancy, it has been really good. Uh, and so I'm very grateful to all the fans, all the readers, all the authors that trust us with their work. And we take it very seriously. Like, um, yeah. So that was me droning on a whole lot. It's all stuff. What have been some of the highlights coming out of the press so far? There's one really big one that I can't announce. Oh, there's one that I wish I could announce. Um, Keep in mind, this is not going out for a few weeks. 
all right, so it's not going to go out for a few weeks. So hopefully, okay, Craig, don't get mad at me, but um, one of the highlights is, and again, Craig, don't get mad at me if everything's not finalized, but um, so Craig Clevenger, who wrote The Contortionist Handbook, among other things, which is a fantastic, one of my favorite books, it's top. It's just a masterclass in outstanding writing. Um, he and I, he's gonna be a guest editor uh, for spring um, 2023 for a Diner Noir anthology. Because to the best of our knowledge, nobody's done an anthology that centers around diner noirs which is weird right because how many noir or crime fiction stories take place at a diner of some kind right like just take breaking bad how many scenes were there like important scenes took place at diners or just so they, they play so diners play such a pivotal role in noir that we thought well, shit, um, why not just do that? And he's got some pretty heavy hitters and I don't want to, let's just say that it'll be an open call, but he's, people in the noir community will be pretty pleased, I think, with the lineup that he's already got confirmed. Um, especially there's one person that, I'll drop one hint. There's one person that's been away for a long time that Craig thinks he can get back in. And I think it's pretty much sewn up from my understanding. So um, yeah, that's a recent highlight. The biggest highlight is that our first anthology in Filth It Shall Be Found, we got some really like big timers, like, in, at least in my book, we got some, some big timers. And that surprised me because I went on Twitter, I found them, and I'm just, and I did like a cold call thing because I've always been of the opinion a no is free, right? So I'm like, I'm going to hit up some people in the transgressive fiction community and see what happens, right? So I hit up Craig Clevenger. Yeah. He sent a piece. I hit up Lawrence Apollo. She sent a piece. I hit up um, Greg Levin. He's got a piece in there. I hit up uh, Stephen J. Golds. He's got a piece in there. I mean, so without exception, all of the people I hit up said yes. And that kind of blew me away. I'm like, wow, like we're just getting started. And I was expecting most of them to just slag me off, but they didn't. Another highlight I would say is just, just in general, um, our authors are unbelievably dedicated and like they just promote, I mean, we do our promotion, but they do their part too, right? It's a dual thing, like obviously we promote, but they also promote, which is good. So like just an example, Austin Davis on his own accord, right? He just, he pitched this to us. He's like, I've got a tour that I've already got set up for this book. Like, 
do you want you want to take it on shit yeah um so we took it on and he has been touring i think he's still i think he's still touring right i mean this guy and plus i mean a big shout out to austin he was on um me and Cody Sexton's podcast. And this, this cat is just outstanding. He works with the homeless population of Arizona and just like, I was surprised to find out his age because he's 21. And like when I was 20 or no, he's 22. When I was 22. I was a fucking dipshit. Right. I think all of us, we, we were, we were like stupid. Um, this guy is just, off the charts in terms of wisdom he's got the wisdom of like an 80 year old sage and i like i mean that like if you talk to him long enough actually talk to him for like five ten minutes and you'll see how awesome he is um i guess those are things that really stand out and that's not to say that our other authors don't stand out they do uh they all do so far they're all doing various level varying levels of success right luckily we haven't had anybody completely bomb which pleases me uh i i guess i'm perpetually dissatisfied because i want everybody i know that this is unrealistic but i want all of our authors to be like bestsellers i want all of them to just just kill it on the charts um and so yeah if you see me on twitter and instagram and places you know spamming you know promo that's why it's because i yeah it's good for us but more importantly it's good for them and they've they've put in the hard work of writing a book um and they deserve the best that we can offer which is not to say that we're perfect, but it's just they deserve the best, to the best of our ability. Um, we want to do all of them right and fairly. So, you know. Can I ask you briefly about the, I guess, the viability of a small press? Is it something that is, does it make money or is it something that is a, you know, non for profit? Like, how does it work? Um, I can't speak to other presses, um, but I would like to assume, I mean, I'm not going to go to another small press and say, Hey, show me your financials. Right. That would be weird. Um, I would assume that some small presses that hit a more popular market um, do pretty well and it might some of the people might be able to do it full time so if you hit the kind of if you hit like a horror market like horror really big crime fiction really big I imagine again this is pure speculation that some of those people can probably do it full time. Most of us can't, um, especially not the stuff that we do, uh, which is which is niche, uh, like transgressive fiction. Like you even ask readers, 
like the one of the barriers is, is like if you even ask readers, you say transgressive fiction, they're not even going to know. And these aren't stupid people, right? I mean, these are people who like of the majority, like most people don't read. So we're talking about the slim minority people that do. Even a lot of them, most of them don't know what transgressive fiction is. Um, we've been fortunate enough that we're able to keep our doors open, but I'm not going to delude anybody and say that any of us are going to be quitting our job anytime soon, if ever. Um, I don't want to say it's a passion project because then that lends itself to accusations of, oh, it's just a hobby. And it's like, no, it's work. Like, it is work. It's just, uh, it's not reflected in how much uh, money or revenue we bring in. But um, yeah, so just speaking for us, none of us at Outcast are going to be <laughs> quitting our day jobs anytime soon, unless, unless some, we get on somebody's radar and some big person's radar and they promote us. If all of a sudden Stephen King for some unknown reason is like, Hey, I want to feature you. Then it's like, great. Then maybe we'd have a shot, but, but yeah, we don't do it. I mean, at the end of the day, we wanted to give a home to places, to stories and books that mainstream places would reject that and not even for quality they would reject because you know they've got a team and again this isn't slagging them off necessarily it's just they've got a they've got to make an, a return on it right because they're paying a large advance probably and they're paying a lot of marketing and so they have to get the widest audience we don't we're not aiming for a huge audience because i mean if you read if you read our stuff it's like a lot of people aren't going to be into it so it's very niche so that was my long and probably convoluted way of saying like we're lucky in that we're able to pay writers right when somebody submits to our anthology we pay them we're able to pay out decent royalties not as good as i wished we could pay out but pay out royalties um, and we're able to continue to sign people and that's great uh, we're able to contribute something of value I think to the literary world and I really do want to say it's the authors that do the bulk of the work they're the ones that wrote the book um, or the story we're a conduit of sorts that helps them get it out there, polish it up, give a nice format and get it. What I hope is a nice cover. <laughs> um, but yeah, the bulk of the credit goes to them and the bulk of the credit goes to our like, just really fucking incredible fans that are behind us like 110%. So yeah, shout out to them. Okay. Let's move on to your recent poetry book, Homo Mortalis. It's out through Anxiety Press. It's an exploration into mortality, death, um, depression, and more. 
Can you tell us a bit more about your collection and how much of it's based on your own experience? So all of it, so all of it is based on my own experience, um, either in the form of the events that I outline happened to, and I'm remembering them to the best of my ability or the more existential, philosophical, nihilistic musings is how I view the world. So when you pick up the book, I would say this, there are two types of, broadly speaking, there are two types of writers. There are those that they write a story and you can separate the story from, or you can separate the body of work from the author, right? So you can read Stephen King and that probably, at least his early stuff bears no relation probably to how he thinks about the world, right? But you can't pick up, for instance, H.P. Lovecraft or Thomas Ligotti. You can't pick up their work and not see them in the work, right? Like when you read H.P. Lovecraft, you know exactly how he viewed the world, right? indifferent, hostile to human existence. With Ligotti, you see how dreams played such an important part. Um, and once again, following in the lines of H.P. Lovecraft, you see his deep pessimism and nihilism such that the author's in the work. And much the same way is with Homo Mortalis. Um, it's... accurate in the sense of it's how I feel about events, situations, and in the autobiographical sections, they're recorded in poetry form uh, to the best of my, to the, to the best of my recollection, you know, recollection, looking back on it through the lens of terror management theory. So that was a big thing that I thought, how do I want to construct it? I want to construct a poetry book all about death. And I want to do it through the lens of terror management theory. So I want to survey my life, survey how I think about things with the information that I've learned from Ernest Becker's The Denial of Death and Sheldon Solomon et al.'s um, The Worm at the Core. Um, so yeah. Some of the events that happened to you, I assume you in this book are pretty intense. Like there's, there's abuse, there's some, you know, there's a father relationship, which is pretty awful. And um, there's, a, I guess, lots of questions about the nature of how we hold on to life. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? I, how do I say it? When I write a piece I think I owe it to the reader to give all of myself. Um, and I don't think anything that I write about in here is anything that most people haven't experienced some of it or way worse, right? Like I'll just give you 
how do I put it? What I've heard is people respect the book because of it's just unbridled, raw honesty. And hopefully that gives others permission to do much the same. Because I think that stuff that I outline, other people could outline too, and it would be a thousand times more horrific. Example, I'll, I'll give you an example for people because of how I am, people open up to me about really horrific things. On three different occasions, I've had, well, first of all, here's something that's depressing. I don't know any woman who has opened up to me in an intimate way. And I don't mean intimate sexually. I mean, they've gotten to know me and they can trust me. I've not met in my entire life any woman who's opened up to me that hasn't been the victim of sexual assault. Now that's fucking depressing right there. Now, couple that with on three different occasions, I've heard variations of this story told to me. And it's jarring because it's told in the course of conversation, just like you're ordering off of a menu, right? It's just, it's just thrown into the conversation. So I have to step back and go, wait, 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 back up. What did you just tell me of a mother pimping out the young girl for drugs? So, I mean, the stuff that I outline in here about my sexual abuse and me witnessing violence and domestic, I just penned something that I think the lot of humanity goes through i mean we're not good i mean as a, as a species we're not good to one another um we're really shitty to one another some would say a lot of the time i would say almost all the time right we're kind of a shitty species do you want to talk about what you're working on next yeah um i've got a bunch of short stories that I'm working on and I'm outlining some novels. I'm kind of taking a little bit of a break from transgressive fiction and I'm writing some cosmic and existential horror short stories. Uh, so that's currently what I'm working on now is I've got a bunch of these that I want to get out to eventually form a collection. Um, Cody Sexton and I also have a charity anthology for uh, Planned Parenthood because in America, we're fucking regressing again. And it looks like soon Roe versus Wade is going to be overturned by the christian fascists um and so we're doing a charity anthology called the place where everyone's name is fear where all the proceeds from it are going to go to um either planned parenthood or some other organization that supports women's health and women's rights um so that's i'm working on a piece for that that i'll include in that um I've got a piece, oh, I can't announce it because it's not formal yet, damn it. Um, 
Yeah, and then outlining. I'm pretty much complete. Well, first draft wise of a novel called Heaven's Tourist. Um, that's about uh, a religious con man. So it's the crux of it will be the crux of it is that there's a guy who is a pretty skilled con man and he has a near he has he dies he's just in a car accident he dies but he doesn't have a religious experience but he notices that people while in the hospital that people gravitate toward people who do and so he's like wow this is like a really good griff that i can do and so he develops this elaborate makes up uh, a near-death experience for fame and profit and whatnot um and then it goes and then it kind of goes from there um again it's still in the first draft stage and then i've got other novels i want to do a western eventually i've got i'm outlining that i'm going to do novel that i'm outlining about cannibalism i've got that that i'm outlining um i mentioned the cosmic horror stuff yeah just a lot of things in the fire that's the thing about adhd is i'm always working on several different things um oh how can i damn it, how can I forget this? Um, the good folks over at No Sellout Productions brought me in on this really awesome project called um, Wild in the Streets. And it's a, it's a nice, it's a, so this person named Manson, I don't know who she is beyond that. That's just what her name is. Uh, she created this really like, awesome universe called punk city and it's just like a nice blend of like dark fantasy horror transgressive fiction crime fiction and so uh, they hit me up along with joe hayward and anthony oh, butcher his name sorry buddy percocetti and so uh, the first book, The Hellbound Kids, is out. I have a chapter in there where, I'm continue, where I do a storyline um, called The Hucklebearer. And it's a very, he's like a very violent uh, character. Uh, so that'll be a series at all that I'm contributing to where she's got her main storyline and then the three of us have our story arcs. Do you want to talk about some of your gateway books? What were some of the books that opened the doors of literature for you? People always laugh at me, but as a kid, I was obsessed with Moby Dick. Obsessed. Like, I didn't care about the plot. I didn't care about what, what enticed me is what turned so, turned so many people off, which is the extensive exposition on whaling. But I felt like I knew exactly, I felt like I was, when I was 10, 11, whatever, I felt like I knew, like I was an expert on whaling after I was done. Now, of course I wasn't, but as a kid, I'm like, I know everything there is to know about whaling because I read Moby Dick and I like worshiped that book. 
Um, that would be one of them. Another would be uh, like I had uh, reading difficulties growing up. And I have to say what got me really into uh, like reading at a young, young age, like second, third grade, I devoured Goosebumps books, R.L. Stein's Goosebumps. I just, I devoured that. Those books, it's perfect, right? Like if there's a parent watching, wants to get their kids into reading and the kid has an interest in horror and they're like relatively young, you know, under fourth grade, get them Goosebumps. You can't go wrong. It's the perfect type of horror for that age group. And then you, you know, move on to, you know, Stephen King and H.P. Lovecraft and other people. Um, those are probably my gateways uh, in the beginning and then sort of what kept it going. There were certain things that kept it going. So uh, in high school, what kept it going was Kafka that's what sort of reinvigorated the engine. Cause I kind of had slowed down a little bit. I was like, ah, I was too busy making trouble and stuff. Um, but then that sort of reinvigorated it, it was Kafka. Like, wow. I've heard of this guy, Kafka and Ostoyevsky. I was like, fuck, this is really good. So like Dostoyevsky and Kafka really sort of kept me going through it. Um, around the same time, I remember reading some short stories by Philip K. Dick and like to this day Minority Report I remember like, the movies the movies are fine like but it's almost the perfect short story it's just such Minority Report is when I read that I'm like this is fantastic this is just absolutely like like sacrilegiously good, you know? Like for me, Philip K. Dick is kind of hit or miss. He's, I don't think he's ever really bad, but when you've read a story like Minority Report and then you read some of his other stuff, you're just like, ah, if only I mean, it, it all could have been like Minority Report or Paycheck or, you know, do androids dream of, a, of electric sheep or stuff like that. Um, Yeah, those are the books that sort of kept me sort of from the earliest all the way through like high school. And then during college, I kind of got to admit, I kind of from my 20s until early 30s, I didn't really read much fiction. I really just didn't. Uh, I was too busy. Well, as an excuse when I say I was too busy, but I just didn't. I was reading mostly like advanced logic stuff and philosophy stuff. And then it wasn't until my thirties that I it sort of reinvigorated it. Um, and I can't remember what got me back into it. Oh, I also in high school, I can't forget Chuck Palahniuk also. He's the one that also, before I even knew what transgressive fiction was like reading Fight Club, Survivor, 
choke and invisible monsters like those four for me it was like wow you can do that like you can go there no i know what it was it was in my 30s somebody said you need to read jg ballard's crash uh i was like okay so i read it and i'm like wow this is like this fucks me up a lot so then i went searching for other stuff and um eventually couple years ago i figured out that what i was writing was actually called or one of the types of things that i write was actually transgressive fiction because before then i didn't know you know that's kind of a it's a common thread if you ask transgressive fiction writers they'll say yeah we didn't really know what we were writing we just know that the horror people didn't really like us and the crime fiction people didn't really like us and the we were kind of, an, and the literary people didn't like us, so we were kind of like the outcasts of everybody. And then you've discovered this label, oh, there's actually transgressive fiction, and Nabokov falls into that, Palinuk falls into that, and Ballard falls into that, and a whole bunch of people. Um, uh, Monica Drake falls into that. Uh, okay, cool. So, all right. Once again, a long answer. <laughs> okay, do you want to talk about the books you're currently reading? Yeah, so I've currently, I'm rereading the, uh, the nice Penguin um, Classics edition of um, the two collections of Thomas Ligotti. Uh I'm reading that right now. Um, I also reading, um, rereading. I do I, books that I like. I do some rereading. So right, I'm in a rereading phase at the present moment. So I'm rereading. Um, is it, what's the actual title? Songs of a Dead Dreamer and Grim Scribe by Ligotti. I'm rereading Ernest Becker's A Denial of Death. Um, So those are the two ones I'm reading right now. Uh, I've got a whole bunch of others to add that I don't like to get too many books because then I lose the, the, the thread, right? So I don't like to read too many books at once because I'm the kind, I don't know, I'm the kind of reader that can't just sit back and like enjoy a book. I have to be like, wow, this, this works. Why does it work so well? Or how is this person doing this that's hitting this emotional cord? Um, how are they pacing things? And so I kind of lose that if I read. I know some people are like, oh, I read like five books at once. I, I can read two or three, and that's about it uh, before I start to pick, you know, pick it back up and be like, okay, what was going on? What, you know, so, yeah. We'll take a quick break here on Beyond the Zero. We're speaking with Sebastian Weiss. This episode is brought to you by Curtin University, Northern Territory's Advanced Acronym Course. Semester 2 enrollments are available now. Enroll today. We're back on Beyond the Zero. It's time for Sebastian's Top 10. 
All right. Um, I would say Blood Meridian is in there. Cormac, I mean, Cormac McCarthy is so, I mean, he's just a master. Um, so yeah, Blood Meridian is definitely one that deserves to be read multiple times. Um, Craig Clevenger's The Contortionist Handbook is such a good, it's so great. It, it, yeah. Um, a book I just finished reading makes it on there too. I've been trying to con people into reading it for purely self-serving purposes. So I can talk about it. Tender is the Flesh by Augustina. He's an Argentina, an Argentinian writer. Uh, it's across the room. Uh, Augustina something. It is so fucking good, dude. Like, it's that's in my top five easily. When I read, when I finished Tender is the Flesh and you reached the ending, I was just like, it, it fucked my shit up. I was like, I tell people it's one of those books that almost ruined fiction for me because I'm like, this is so good. This is so good. Um, no Longer Human also goes in there. That's a really good, I would say a really good um, Japanese classic about, it's sort of gotten, it's been reinvigorated. I don't know uh, how, but it, written in, I think, 1940s. And then it was translated. Uh, yeah, No Longer Human. Really delves into alienation. Um, that one's really good. Amy Hempel. Her short stories are, I mean, they're all really, I mean, they're all varying degrees of like awesomeness, I would say. So, you know, you can pick up her short story collection, her collected works, pretty cheap, I think, on Amazon. It's like $13.99, I think. The collected uh, stories of Amy Hempel. And, and if you doubt me, read The Harvest online. Just type in The Harvest, and she's just, un just off the charts. Kafka, of course, he still holds up for me, especially stories like um, In the Penal Colony and The Hunger Artist. Everybody mentions metamorphosis, and that's good. I mean, it's a good story, but for me, it doesn't, I would say that story doesn't hit as hard as In the Penal Colony and The Hunger Artist. Um, Worm at the Core outstanding the book it's uh it picks up where ernest becker left off and turns what ernest becker said in the denial of death and puts it through scientific rigor so both those books worm at the core and the denial of death uh fantastic and uh choke by chuck palinuk i would say choke is probably my favorite palinuk book um and probably Survivor Type is another great short story by Stephen King, which is brutal, 
doctors smuggling drugs stranded on an island has to cannibalize himself to live. So you can imagine it's pretty fucking brutal. Um, I don't know how many that is, but I think you might be there. And then, of course, Philip K. Dick. Like, I'm not a huge, like, I'm not a huge science fiction fan, um, but I do like the more philosophical kind of science fiction. So, um, I don't know the short stories, of, you know, by Philip K. Dick, and of course, you know, his classic novels. H.P. Lovecraft also. Um, yeah, everybody's gonna complain about him being a race, you know, being a racist prick. Yeah, that's accurate, but it's undeniable the influence that he's had on weird fiction um, and cosmic horror. And uh, yeah, and then of course, you know, Tom, you know, Thomas uh, Ligotti, he's probably number one would probably be conspiracy against the human race and not his nonfiction book, um, which is brutal. It's just utterly brutal conspiracy against the human race, probably that at number one, and then probably tender is the flesh number two, and then probably three, um, contortionist handbook. Um, yeah, those three, I would say are, like the pinnacle. I just looked up Tender as a Flesh. It sounds unbelievable. It's, dude, if you, dude, it, you got to make a promise to me. If you read it, you have to come back to me because it's got a wonderful ending and that it can be interpreted in so many different ways. I still don't know how to interpret the ending, which is, and it's not one of those like weird endings where it's um, it's because the author did a shitty job. It's intentionally brutal and ambiguous because it makes you go back and look at the, uh, makes you think back to the events and being like, what was this guy all about? Was he about this, 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 this? And there's, any number of plausible explanations. So I would recommend to all their uh, listeners that if you want something that is like brutal and a nice, it's got nice social commentary about consumerism and it's, it's, you know, got a nice subtext of a capitalist critique. Um, and oh it's so oh it's so good yeah tender as a flesh is so damn good um yeah when i read it i just i had to actually pace myself because i didn't want to devour it and all in one night so i just i forced myself to spread it out over a week even though it's only like 200 pages just because i'm just like i gotta take in this delicious meal um that I wish I could experience for the first time again. So I'm not going to spoil it for anybody. Uh, just <laughs> go into it. The best way to go into it is to go into it blind, like I did, 
Um, and, but also go into it knowing that it's a rough ride. It's, it's going to be, it's, you're not going to enjoy it in the way of like, oh, that was such a nice story. Um, but it'll fuck you up. It'll, I mean, that's coming from a transgressive fiction writer. Like it messed with my head a bit. I was like, kind of literary vertigo in a way. So, all right, done. Augustina Baz Terrica, I think the name yep. is. So, yep. yeah, I'm putting it on my list today. Done. Yeah, you got to hit me back up. And I mean, after reading that, I'm thinking, man, she's got other books too. And I'm like, translate them. I'm like, people, translate them. Because if they're anything like Tender is the Flesh, like she should be winning awards. I mean, <laughs> she. side note, she's actually, after reading that, I took inspiration of, I'm like, well, I got to write a cannibal novel now. <laughs> that's how good it is. It's, I mean, I guess that's giving away, okay, yeah, you're not going in blind now. Yes, it's about cannibalism. Um, but that's all I'm going to tell you is the listeners. Um, so, oh, it's so good. I just, I, and the translator did a fantastic job um, because it's, yeah, I don't know. Read it and be prepared to be mindful because it is just an unbelievable book. So, yeah. Before we wrap it up, do you want to tell us where we can find Outcast, where we can get in touch with you, where we can listen to your podcast? Yeah. So um, you can find me on Twitter. I believe it's Sebastian and then underscore Vice, I believe. Uh, Outcast Press is just Outcast Press at Outcast Press on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Um, Our website is www.outcast-press.com. The podcast, yeah, the podcast we do, uh, I, me and Cody Sexton of Anxiety Press do a, usually a weekly uh, podcast where we sit down and we shoot the shit with writers and you know other interesting people and go for about anywhere from depending on how much time the person has it can go from hour to you know two and a half hours i mean one of our high one of our highlights was we actually got sheldon solomon on one of the co-developers of terror management theory that i based my poetry book on homo more more Mortalis, which he actually did coin the term. And if I can just be a little bit smug for a minute, just a little bit, he did read the book. He liked it. Um, he said it was good. So it got an endorsement from the, the man himself who developed uh, terror management theory. Also, so I keep saying also, but also um, for those of you who by the book, um, I talked to Cody and I said, listen, man, uh, because of current events, all of my royalties, I'm going to be donating to uh, 
either Planned Parenthood or some other kind of reputable women's health and reproductive rights organization. It's just a cause I feel strongly about, just bodily autonomy, just bodily autonomy in general. And I have a profound sort of hatred for the the more totalitarian elements of Christianity, which is not to slag off all of Christianity, it's to slag off very brutally the more fascist totalitarian elements of it. Um, so yeah, you can find us on our YouTube channel, the varieties of uh, the varieties of my anxieties. Um, yeah. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining me. That was great talking to you. Yeah. So hopefully I didn't uh, ramble <laughs> too much. So, so yeah. So uh, thanks for having me on. Thanks for, uh, and if, if I may, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. Check out my stuff, but for sure, check out outcast stuff. I mean, we got some amazing authors over there and yeah they deserve to be read uh they deserve to be supported um they're fantastic individuals and we got a lot of stuff on the way too we got some good stuff on the way we've got um uh manny torres he's gonna have he's at he has a book um coming out um and steve golds is gonna be having his uh, poetry collection uh, one of his poetry collections come out through us in august and yeah we've got we're booked through 2023 so we don't plan to go anywhere so i'll probably be hitting you up with hey ben you want to host this person hey ben <laughs> <laughs> so so yeah but no it's been a pleasure uh you've been a very gracious um host and yeah once again Thanks for hosting all of the people over at Outcast. You're a tip-top guy. Well, I love the work you're doing over there. I love your writing as well. So um, great job and keep it up. Thanks once again to Sebastian Weiss. Check out the show notes for all the details. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at beyondzeropod, and you can email us at beyondzeropod at gmail.com. Don't forget to sign up for our new Substack. The first issue is live now. We'll be back with the next episode next week.